I want to I lead with this question um, and maybe get, some, get you to think about this, but also get you to um, maybe speak out some things about this. What does it mean to be a Christian? Maybe, some, maybe like, oh, like a one word pops in your mind or something like that. If you want to just yell that out. What does it mean to be a Christian? Lover of Jesus. Anything else come to mind? Saved. Okay, so there's something horrific that we're rescued from. Follower. Follower of Jesus. Okay. Redeemed. That's good. Any others? Probably lots of others. I think uh, growing up, and I think anybody that's at, at somewhat of an immature place as, as a Christian, and especially as a young kid, like I really didn't fully understand what it meant to be a Christian. Um, actually, so much of it was defined by um, some form of escapism, right? Because the gospel was packed with this picture of um, this place that burned with fire that never consumed, which is kind of intriguing, right? Because if I like lit the stool on fire, it would eventually consume it. But we believe in a literal hell that won't ever consume what it's burning. Okay, and so you preach that enough and people are going to be like, okay, well just tell me what I got to do to get out of that, right? Um, And the crazy thing about being a Christian is that literally my identity is transformed in that I'm purchased by Christ and I'm His. Okay, let's, um, if you want to go back to 1 Corinthians 6, kind of our, our theme verse for this series of, of not your own, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's two verses that I want to focus on, 19 and 20, just to kind of rehash the, the stage here of what we're doing. It says, so do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. Like how many of us woke up this morning like, okay, I'm, like this life isn't mine. I'm not my own this morning. How many of you woke up thinking that? Uh, we, I don't think I did. And I'm preaching this, right? Um, you're not your own. Why? Verse 20. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So Reminder here, we hashed through this really the past several weeks, is that we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, and that impacts everything about our life. It's not just, okay, so we come to church on Sunday, or so we go to an event. No, we become the purchased possession of the Father through the work of the Son. So here's what salvation is. Salvation actually works itself out in the everyday stuff of life. Right? So your identity as a Christian should show itself in everything you do, everything you own. Because you've been purchased. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Take your bulletin. If you have your bulletin. If you didn't get one, there's, we can grab you one in the back. Or if you just have a piece of paper. Um, there's, there's two questions. So, so I really want you to take out a pen. Hopefully you have a pen. If you don't, you, um, just prick the tip of your finger. Um, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rachel. She's like, why you just said that? Um, 
Okay, two questions. I just want you to jot down some things. Okay? Um, and, and, and don't, like, these aren't like trick questions, so don't be like, okay, well, like, what, what does he want here? I just want you to write down, okay, the first one, time. How did you spend your time? Make a list of some of the ways you spent your time this past week. Okay, just write down some things. Like I wrote down work, kids, worked in the yard, spent some time eating. Write down some things. How did you spend your time this week? What did you do? And listen, maybe some of the things you write down are things that you know you shouldn't have done. Okay? So I'm not saying, hey, write down the good things, you, the good ways you spent your time. No, just write down what you did. Possessions. What do you own? Write down several of your possessions. So just jot that, like, just write down some things. What do you own? Or what is in your possession? Which um, I would just say includes areas of giftedness, way God's talented you and gifted you. So not just like, I own a home. Okay? Includes that. Okay, so just write down, what, what are some things that you possess as an individual? Just real practical stuff. You know, my Bible, my 17 devotional book. No, no, no. I just want you to write, like, what do you, like, practically, what do you own? If you have that, sure, but, like, what do you own? All seasons of lost. No. (laughs) Several people are like, yeah, good one. I'm going to write that one down. What do you own? Now, as we continue, we're, we're going to kind of use this as a guide as we continue this morning and, and come back to this even more um, towards the very end. But here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing. Um, in Genesis chapter 1, in the account of creation, listen to these words. Genesis 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be at verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion, rule, over the fish of the seas, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know what that just said? Is that God made Adam and Eve. He made mankind, and he actually takes us and he puts us in charge of all that he owns. Okay, so the things you wrote down on your paper here that you own, like you really don't own them. You've been given, those have been given to you, they've been entrusted to you and to me to manage and steward in a way that the Father would want us to do it. Okay, in, in everything that you Oh, you've been entrusted by God with everything that you have. Okay? So it's not yours. Is that, is that, hard, to, is that hard to swallow? Is that hard to, hard to think about? It's not yours. Okay, think about it. What do you deserve?
What do you deserve? We don't deserve the life that we have. And even if you're in the room and, and you're not a believer, okay, like the grace of God is still on your life because here's the deal. God's given us breath. Like we're alive right now. Okay, that's the grace of God on us. The grace of God on our life. Um, how, how many of you uh, in your job are some type of manager? Anybody like in your job? I'm in a, like a, you're in a manager type, leadership type of role. Come on, I know there's more than one. Okay, a lot of you. A lot of you. Um, so I think all of you know that I um, manage part-time one of my parents' subways. Um, and <clears throat> I frequently have to remind myself that it's not mine. Well, and thankfully, I'm like, thank the Lord this isn't mine, right? Um, but like when I go to work, there's things I want to do, and then there's also things that I just really don't want to do. Right? Like, as a man, it's like, I just don't want to handle it. I don't want to have this conversation. You just, managers, you always have to have these conversations that you just don't want to have, right? Like, that's like your role. That's our job. So you have to deal with the employees that are slacking off and being lazy and all, showing up late to work. Um, so, um, this past, every month at Subway, we, we get an evaluation. Somebody from corporate comes, and they take a fine-tooth comb through our entire operation, and they make sure we're doing what we need to be doing to be successful. Um, and so we got an evaluation, um, and it didn't come back super good. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't there when the evaluation happened, um, but I was there this day when my dad showed up to talk to me about the evaluation, um, and he begins to have this conversation about the different areas where we got marked off, and literally, like, I'm wanting to be like, I just don't want to hear this, right? But part of it is, it's my, it's my job, right? As a manager, like I've been entrusted to lead and to care and to actually manage what's been given to me in a way that would make my father happy. Like in this case, my literal dad. Like they're his stores. He's invested his life. He's invested his money into his stores. And so here I'm having this conversation um, Conversation I didn't really want to have. I didn't really want to listen. I didn't really want to hear, like, we need to do more cleaning. We need to pay attention to this. We got marked off for this. We need to pay attention to this. Because it's like, I read it. Why, why, you got to, why we got to have this conversation? I read it. I know what it says. Are you familiar with the story in Luke 15? It's the story of the prodigal son. What do you know about the prodigal son? Okay. Younger brother. He's got an older brother. The younger brother, what does he do? He goes to his dad, and he's like, I'm out. He's like, give me, give me all that's mine. I want my inheritance now. I'm out. And so the dad does. Father gives him all that's rightfully his in the inheritance, and what does the son do? He says, he goes and he lives it up. He lives like the life. He spends it all. He's like living the dream of what's just incredible. And slowly begins to run out of money, slowly begins to run out of his inheritance. And he finds himself where? I think it says with the pigs. And he's just like, he's just at the end of himself. And he, he thinks of an option. And what's the option? I just, just got to go home. 
He's like, if, if I could just be like the, the worst, like the least of the least in my father's house, that's better than me sitting here eating with the pigs. Because I don't have any food. I don't have any money. Like, I'm done. So what does he do? Scripture says that the father was actually waiting for him. Remember this? Can you just, just picture that? I love that. I love reading the scriptures and trying to picture. Well, sometimes I don't love picturing because some of the things in the scriptures, like you just don't want to picture. But in this case, picture it with me. Um, the, the dad is like standing on the porch, like waiting for his son. And he sees him. What does he do? Runs to him. Runs to him. What, well, what does he do? Here's a son who just, horrible decision. An awful steward of his father's possessions. And what does the dad do? He says, give him the best robe. We're throwing a party. The best meat, go kill the best animal. We're throwing a party for him. Listen, that's you and that's me. Listen, Jesus came as the ultimate steward to redeem us where we've wrongly stewarded in our rebellion. Christ came to the earth as the perfect picture, the perfect steward to fix our rebellious, idiotic management of what isn't ours. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's the gospel. Like, why in the world? Like, when you picture that story, like, okay, like, play that out in your mind. If you're a parent, play that out in your mind. What, what does that conversation look like when that kid comes back to your house? Right? I mean, I don't know that it would go quite so beautifully in my mind, right? Oh, no, we're talking. Like, to what, what'd you do with it? What, what do you got to show? Like, and then and here's, where, here's where, as a parent, like, I just constantly have to be like, okay, be careful here. It's because I want to be like, told you. Right? It's like, oh, you want to you disobey? Then I'm just waiting for the day when you come back and you're like, you were right. So I can win. That's nothing of what the Father does. Is he welcomes him back. He gives him the best. And he gives him a second chance at stewarding what he ruined and what he destroyed. That's the gospel. And here's what's crazy, is that changes how we view who we are and what we do and how we manage what God's entrusted to us, namely our time and our possessions. The way we spend our time and resources should tell the world what the Father is like in the sending of the Son. Think about that. The way you spend your time. Look down, look down at your sheet. How'd you spend your time yesterday? How'd you spend your time this week? Is that a testimony to the world of what the Father's like in the sending of the Son? I was working, I do, pretty much any time I'm working, I'm training. It's kind of part of being a manager, right? Um, and so I'm working with this newer guy, really, really good. Um, we usually get a lot of young kids at Subway. Um, this is a... Um, guy like mid-20s and just doing a really, really good job. And he's like, he's here, been, been there like a week and a half. And I was working with him, I had an all-day shift with him on Thursday. 
And uh, he said to me towards the end of the shift, he said, man, I was just really nervous about today. And I'm just constantly like, man, you're doing a great job. Really just encouraging him and trying to just, you know, we want to hang on to people, right? If those of you that are in management and maybe some of your business, there's a lot of turnover and a lot of like people come in and you like, and just leave. Well, this guy was like, we want to keep him. He's doing a fantastic job. And he's like, I was really nervous about working, working with you today. And I was like, yeah, well, why is that? And he's like, because I feel like you would be the exact same as your dad if he was still working in the stores. And, and so I had to think about that. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or if that's like a, I'm not sure what he's getting at here. But here's what hit me. That's to be our testimony to the world. Is, man, the way she spends her time and the way she manages what she owns, I feel like that would be exactly how God would do it if he was here. Like his life models that. Like that's to be our testimony. That's to be who we are and what we do. And so there should be this, really this regular rigid activity that we do as we think about our lives and how we manage who we are and what we do and how we spend our time. Like we should never get in this rut with like my, t- like the way, I, the way I manage my week is just like, it's good. I'm always good. I'm all, we, should, we should constantly be checking ourselves, checking our time, checking where we're, we're holding tight to what God's entrusted to us, you know, as if this is mine. And actually, Jesus gives us a pretty, pretty stout example. Um, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, the world has this uncanny ability at distracting us, does it not? The enemy has this very good ability at distracting us and drawing us away and leading us to this place of even deceptively and unknowingly um, not living for what God has called us to live, where we think we're doing it, but we're not. Well, Jesus gives us this passage in Matthew 6 where he says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so Jesus attaches these two things, our treasure and our heart. That the things that we cling to, the things that we treasure, the things that we spend our time on show our heart. Now, I want to do do something here because... If you're like me, I read this passage, and my mind goes somewhere that I, I don't think it should go. Because here's, here's the conversation that happens, happened a lot, kind of really, in my life, in my upbringing, um, was kind of this extreme example. Because I want to give you two, two extremes and the right way in thinking about how we manage time, how we manage possessions, okay? Two extremes, and then the right way. And the first extreme is what I'm going to call religious compartmentalization, Okay, Um, here's what I mean by compartmentalization. So I had somebody uh, do this activity with me. A person told me to take a piece of paper, and at the top of the piece of paper, write what time you woke up yesterday. Okay, top of the piece of paper. The bottom of the piece of paper, write what time you went to bed. Okay, and then I want you to fill in what you did. You know, what'd you do? So you got up, took a shower, hopefully... Brush your teeth, definitely. Like, I want you to fill in, fill in your day. 
Okay, did you spend time in prayer? Did you spend time with Jesus? Did you blah, 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 blah? I want you to fill in your day from when you woke up to when you went to bed. And then the question was posed something like this. Um, something like, how much of that time was Jesus' time? How much of that time was like you with the Lord? Right, and then, and then where, do I, where do I run with that? I run to like feeling awful. Right, because I'm like, I don't know, I like prayed when I woke up. And, um, you know, I read my Bible a little bit. There wasn't church yesterday, so, like, does that, like, screw me over? Like, and I, and, and I don't even know if this was the intent of the exercise, but that's where I went in my mind, is that, like, like how you spend your time. Like, look, look at those, look at that on your sheet. Like, how many of you, like, in looking at that, maybe you had... What we want to do when I use the word compartmentalization is we want to compartmentalize religious activity with the other stuff of life, okay? Which is an extreme that the text in Matthew 6 when it says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, okay? I bought my daughter a bike. It's starting to rust. Is that okay? Because it says like, you have to do it where, where rust won't be, right? No, do you understand where, where I'm going here? Okay. When we take the things of life and we begin to compartmentalize in such a way that Jesus doesn't saturate all that we are and all that we do. Gosh, I have unbelievable experiences in teaching my daughter how to live life when we're riding bikes and how to know and love Jesus. Like, do you see it? So, so the one extreme is this religious compartmentalization. Okay? We've got to stop compartmentalizing our faith. It's like, I go to church. I do this. I do this. Oh, I love Jesus. No, you love Jesus in everything that you do. Okay? That's what it means to not be your own in your time and in your possessions. Okay, so what do you love to do? You love to play sports? Awesome. How are you using that as a platform to bring Christ in? Okay, you love to go to work? You should. Because that's a platform, an opportunity for you to engage with the people that God's put you in to manage your time in such a way that makes Christ look good. Now, if you love, like, manipulation, and I just love stealing. Okay, well, probably shouldn't do that, right? But think about this. One extreme is religious compartmentalization. Here's the other extreme. Privileged freedom. Okay? It's like, I'm, I'm free in Christ. I can do whatever I want. Right? Like, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I can live my life however I want. Well, that's just not true either. Because our identity as the people of God sets us up to live in such a way that actually point to him. And there's actually ways that we can live that don't point to him. There's ways we can manage our time that don't point to him. Um, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says this. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
Think about that. Paul gives this caution where he says, hey, be careful. Like when you go about your life, when you go about today, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you live your life. Why? Because we live in evil days. He said that then. It's the same now. We live in evil days. What does that mean? It means that we, we can't just do whatever we want under the freedom of Christ. No, we're sent by God as missionaries into our culture, into our workplaces, into our homes, into our kids' lives, into our sports team, our teammates' lives, into our friends' and husbands' and wives' lives. So we've got to be careful. So what's the right way? Jesus saturated. Jesus saturated. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that list. And I just want you to look down at it for a second. To what extent did Jesus saturate your time this past week? Maybe, maybe do this. Just, take, just write Jesus over those words when you put, where you write time. Just write the word Jesus over them. Just real big. And then your possessions. Like what do you own? Just write the word Jesus over them. Listen, that's what it means to be people that live not as our own, is that our time would actually be a resource for the kingdom of God, that God has redeemed us, and he's gifted and wired you, and he's gifted and wired me in different ways so that we would actually live out his name and his kingdom in a way that he is saturated with them. That's why the scripture says, so whether you eat or whether you drink, in whatever you do, so there's freedom, right? It's whatever you do, as long as you can do it to the glory of God. Okay, so the, here's the problem with the first extreme, religious compartmentalization, is that it divides the sacred and the secular, right? It says that there's Jesus stuff and there's like not Jesus stuff. But no, as a Christian, everything becomes about him. So we use every platform and every atmosphere and everywhere we go and everything that we do to make it about him. The problem with the second extreme is this. It removes the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that passage in Ephesians 5 where it says, Be careful then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil? Your assignment this week is to go read the rest of that passage. Because it goes in to talk about, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I'd love to unpack right now that, that symbolism and that illustration of drunkenness and spirit-filledness. But I don't have time. But here's what it does, is it's teaching us what it means to live a life that's spirit-led. Here's the challenge this week. When you wake up in the morning, ask the Lord, okay, Lord, you've gifted me with breath. You've gifted me with time. How do you want me to handle it today? He knows what's on our plates. He knows what we, what we have to do. He knows what our responsibilities are as people in the workplace, as people in, in relationships, as people that have friends, as people that have to go to school, as people that are on sports teams, as people that have kids. God, how do you want me to steward and manage my time today in a way that would honor you? 
Do we do that? Do we do that? Um, yesterday, um, we were kind of outside uh, working in the yard a little bit, and there was one point I was getting ready to go outside, and this is terrible, I'm about to tell you this. Um, and I, like, I started to go outside, and I, I saw my neighbor. And like, I, me- I immediately did one of these. I saw my neighbor, and I was like, shut the door. And I, just, I just stood at the door. And I, was, I kind of peeked, kind of lo- let her go back inside, and, and then I went out. And I was, and like, I was like, oh, that's terrible. It's like, I, I don't want to have a conversation with you. I don't, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, like, I just kind of want to be selfish right now. Like, again, my, exa- my example here of how not to manage your time. And it's like, I don't want to have a conversation. Not that it's wrong always to not want to have a conversation with somebody. But I wasn't just like, how often do we see people as a distraction or people as, like, they get in the way. You know, one of the principles that the Lord gave Israel um, in Leviticus 19, it says when they, when they harvest their fields, they're to leave the edges for the sojourner, for the outsider. Literally, you're to create margin in your life for people. You're to create margin in your time. You're to create margin in your possessions. Um, one of my favorite things when I first came to North Church, like the, the thing you did when you, first, when you were at North Church, at least back in the day, was you went to the Maxidents' house. Um, I didn't ask for permission here, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, and uh, one of my all-time favorite things was like they had a fridge that was like only reserved for guests. You guys still have that? They still have it. And it's just like full of drinks. And it's like you come over and like you want something to drink. You just go down to the fridge and you just get something to drink. It's just there. They probably even like you yell at your kids when they get in there probably. Because it's not for you. It's, they don't. But, but that, like, that just amazed me. Like that's what it means to create margin in your possessions for people. For people in such a way that people would feel welcomed, that people would feel they're not a burden. Hey, come on. Like, my time is not my own. Like, I'm open and available to have conversation, and to see my time as a means to steward and love and serve. Are you freely giving of your time and of your possessions? What areas of your life, look down at that list of your possessions, of your time, what areas do you hold tight? No, you're not touching this. No, you're not getting here. No, this is my time. No, I'm not saying that we shouldn't protect our families at times. And, but what areas of our lives are we just closed? Because here's the deal. In our time and in our possessions, we should say to everyone in this room and everyone outside this room, it should be a message of what the Father's like in the sending of the Son. Freely. Like, does extravagance define your time? If you're extravagant in trying to make Jesus the center of your time with people, with what you do, with what God's called you to do. You're extravagant in trying to make Jesus the center of your possessions, of what you own. Oh, don't touch that. No, you can't borrow that. You're going to break it. 
Well, maybe God wants you to loan it out so it can be broken, so you can be reminded that your Savior isn't in something that's been physically made. Does your life exist in such a way that demands a gospel explanation in how you manage your time? When people look at you, when people look at me, does it say, okay, the only way I can answer how they manage their time, the only way I can answer how they handle the, the things that God's put within their possession, their giftedness, some of you are gifted in unbelievable ways to build up this body. Are you using that in a way that says, this is about Jesus. This is about him. It's not about building something here. It's not about making much of an orchard. It's not about making much of a person here. It's about him. Does your life say that? So, as we prepare to go into response time, why don't we do this? Um, let's just go ahead and go into prayer. And maybe that 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 sheet right there in front of you, maybe that'd be a good tool for the Lord to use. Maybe as you look down at that, as we go into prayer now, as, as you look down at that, you would, you would see areas of your life where your time isn't saturated with Christ. Where your possessions aren't saturated with Christ. Because the truth is that all of us can. All of us can. And so why don't we spend some time just talking to the Lord. Let me pray and lead us into that time. And then we'll give you a few minutes to talk to the Lord about those things. Father, now as we just very practically come to you and and ask you to press us regarding how we spend our time, press us regarding how we manage what you've entrusted to us. Lord, right now as we sit quietly before you, would you speak to us? And where we need to confess, would we confess? Where we need to let go and live extravagantly open-handed, would you lead us to do that? Spirit, would you speak and make Jesus the center of it?